Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There is just no way to sugarcoat it. The music industry has a reputation of being very unkind to women. It's been a struggle from the beginning. And even after decades of work, things have evolved to the point where less than a quarter of the acts on some music charts are women. The actual figure for the Billboard Hot 100 is around 22%, and it's been stuck at that level for a decade. I found a few more stats. If we look at the same decade-long period, women made up only 13% of songwriters. And if we look at female producers and engineers, the number is less than 3%. So in other words, gender parity is still a long way off. So yeah, it's tough out there and it needs to get better. Fortunately, though, there have always been women driven to make it, regardless of the obstacles and difficulties in their way. They want to remake the world of music to make it more inclusive and, in some cases, have forced it to bend to their will. This has been true since the dawn of recorded music until today. In fact, what today's female artists lack in sheer numbers, they make up for in power and influence. Here, let's tally up some of the women who are changing the game in the 21st century. This is the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Well, that kind of sets the mood, doesn't it? That's Ashley Nicolette Fragipani, better known as Halsey, with I'm Not a Woman, I'm a God. And that's from her 2021 album, If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. So how's that for a mission statement? Halsey has taken a bunch of different influences, from Jagger and Bowie to Amy Winehouse and Dolores O'Riordan, and crafted a unique identity that also includes concepts of gender identity, bisexuality, film noir, mental health, political activism, racial justice, motherhood, and so much more. And all this comes from a very authentic place. Halsey has dealt with bipolar disorder since she was a teenager. ADHD was a problem in school. Halsey has talked about her miscarriage and endometriosis. And they continue to deal with a series of health conditions with names like Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, Sjorgen Syndrome, and Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome. Despite all this, Halsey has made it very clear that they are not to be messed with. Just ask with anyone at Halsey's record company. Let's put it this way. Halsey is going to do what Halsey wants to do, no matter what you're talking about. That's just the way it's going to be. 
And, and please don't bring up the idea of forced viral moments. I'm a huge admirer of Halsey. Great sense of self, great sense of purpose. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross, and welcome to Driven by Her, a special new podcast series from the ongoing history of new music presented by our friends at Porsche Canada. Porsche was founded on the pursuit of a dream, much like the careers of some of the women who will be featured as part of these podcasts. These are trailblazers, hit makers, dynamic, driven women who would not take no for an answer, and they changed the face of music in the process. And on this final episode, you're going to hear about two dozen women who are calling the shots with their careers, and in many cases, changing things for everyone for the better here in the 21st century. And as you'll see, not just with music either. Let's go back to the turn of the millennium, when people were starting to take notice of a set of identical twins from Calgary. Tegan and Sarah started writing songs and performing when they were 15. Their first demos were made using their high school's recording studio, which is pretty cool, high school recording studio. By 1998, they were playing professional gigs as Sarah and Tegan, but that was kind of confusing because people heard the name as a solo performer named Sarah and Tegan. So reversing the order of their names made it clear that we were dealing with the duo, Tegan and Sarah. More recordings followed, but it was with their third and fourth records that things began to cement. Jack White was such a fan that the White Stripes recorded one of their songs. They became friends with members of Death Cab for Cutie. They toured with Neil Young and Weezer and the Black Keys and Cake and Brian Adams and City and Color and tons of others. And with each record, there are 11 albums as of late 2022. The fan base has expanded. Along the way, they've been nominated for multiple Juno Awards, winning several. They've been shortlisted for the Polaris Music Prize a couple of times, and they were honored with the General Governor's Performing Arts Award. Tegan and Sarah have also been passionate activists in the LGBT community. They're both openly gay and married, and the list of things they've done and continue to support is, is almost endless. There's the Tegan and Sarah Foundation, which fights for, and here's the quote, economic justice, health and representation for LGBTQ girls and women. They've supported various causes and movements on both sides of the border. They've donated money from tickets and merch sales. And here's my favorite. They got together with the maker of some ice cream sandwiches that supported same-sex marriages. Come a long way since those first tours when they went from gig to gig on a Greyhound bus. Around the same time Tegan and Sarah were starting to become established, Avril Lavigne was working her way out of Belleville, Ontario. She was working towards acquiring the title of Pop Punk Queen. Let's look at that for a moment. Pop Punk, which I'd say is slightly different than Punk Pop, more pop than punk, I guess, really came into its own as a genre in the early 2000s. Blink-182 was a big part of that, and so was Simple Plan, and so was Avril, specifically when it came to the rise of punk-influenced pop music driven by women. Okay, now hold on, back up. Avril started singing in church. When she showed real talent, her parents went all in, not only providing her with gear, but also building a small recording studio in the basement. From there, was on to karaoke venues, singing at county fairs, and eventually winning a radio contest. The prize was a chance to sing in front of 20,000 people with Shania Twain when she played Ottawa. At the time, Avril was really into sports. She played right wing for a team in a boys' hockey league, and she won the MVP award twice 
and she was also deep into skateboard culture. Okay, so far so good. Avril kept performing anywhere that would have her, including a Chapters bookstore in Kingston where she sang covers. That led to getting a manager who started shopping VHS tapes to her record labels. That's how long ago we're talking. She was signed by Network out of Vancouver and almost simultaneously by Arista out of New York. That label gave her $2 million in advances, while Network set her up with a backing band drawn from members of a group called Closet Monster. She left high school and was paired with some producers and songwriters, which culminated in her debut album, Let It Go, in 2002. That record was a monster, hitting number one in a bunch of countries, and it made her the youngest female solo performer to have a number one album in the UK. She was just 17 years old. And that record has sold more than 16 million records globally, including 7 million just in the US. Avril had a string of million-selling records in the aughts, including a number one single in the U.S. with Girlfriend. She's now up to six studio albums, and acts who list her as an influence include Paramore, Fifi Dobson, and Sky Sweetenham. Others have called her the millennial equivalent to Alanis Morissette and Courtney Love. Fans include Billie Eilish, Ed Sheeran, Charlie XCX, Willow Smith, and Olivia Rodrigo. Even Rob Halford of Judas Priest says he's a fan of Avril Lavigne. And there's more to Avril than just music. She's an actor, appearing in both TV and movie roles. She has a clothing line for women called Abby Dawn, fragrances called Black Star and Forbidden Rose. Plus, she's been involved in a ton of philanthropic work, the Special Olympics, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and a ton of initiatives through her own Avril Lavigne Foundation, which has included raising awareness and research funds for Lyme disease, something from which she suffers. Oh, and because her father is French, she has a French passport. She moved to Paris to study French. Remarkable woman. The next woman on our list of those who shook things up in the 21st century is Amy Winehouse. Now, of course, she's no longer with us, having died of alcohol poisoning in the summer of 2011. But when she was still alive, Amy almost single-handedly brought back a soulful type of R&B for a brand new generation. Amy only had two proper albums, Frank in 2003 and Back to Black in 2006. That one became a worldwide hit. And yeah, there was a lot of tragedy and difficulty in her life, and that occupies most of what people know about her. But I want to focus on a few other things. Her charity work, for example. Amy gave away a ton of money to organizations concerned with children's welfare. She gave money to the arts community. She worked to raise awareness of breast cancer. When she was on vacation in St. Lucia, she heard of a man who desperately needed surgery. Although she didn't know him, Amy stepped in and paid for everything. And in death, there's an Amy Winehouse Foundation, which was set up by her family. It's also dedicated to helping young people suffering from drug and alcohol problems. Her influence can be heard in the music of any number of artists. Florence Welch of Florence and the Machine, Lady Gaga, Lana Del Rey, Alyssa Caria, and Billie Eilish. Male singers like Bruno Mars and Sam Smith also cite Amy as an influence. And if there hadn't been an Amy Winehouse the world might not have been so accepting of somebody like Adele, for example. Makes you wonder what she could have done had Amy managed to survive her demons. And if my daddy thinks I'm fine, just try to make me go to rehab, I won't go, go, go. 
The 90s were filled with female-fronted bands. Hole, Garbage, Elastica, all the Riot Girl groups. And that continued in the 2000s with bands like Metric, featuring Emily Haynes out front. She was born in New Delhi, but ended up with her parents in Toronto. Everyone else in Metric is foreign-born, but they all live and work out of Canada. Metric has had a long string of commercially successful albums, but because of Emily and bandmate James Shaw, they've done things quite differently. They've insisted that Metric be as independent as possible, and they've done very well working outside the major label system and running things themselves. For that reason alone, Emily and Metric have been influential in the 21st century. They've kept all their creative and financial control internal, something that wasn't easy, but ultimately very successful. A couple of things about Emily. She works with an organization called Fleet for Hear Me, which works with children's music education programs in schools. She's part of the Global Citizen Group, specifically with a women's issues division called She Decides. She's worked with a clothing company to come up with bespoke designs, and she has her own fragrance called Siren. Emily and Metric have been on a mission for their entire career. Get in their way at your peril. I should point out that Emily and James Shaw have paid it forward when it comes to helping out other female artists. They collectively produced the debut album for Beaches in 2017, which helped them become a real force in Canadian rock. Here's another fierce woman from the world of music, MIA. This is Maya Aeropragasm, who upped the ante for social and political commentary in music. Although she was born in London, she was actually raised in northern Sri Lanka. She moved there as a kid with her parents. But then she and her family were displaced by the long-running civil war, forcing them to go back to London, this time as refugees. To say that experience affected her outlook as an artist is obviously an understatement. She started as a filmmaker, visual artist, and designer. Making music came later. And when she did start releasing songs in the early 2000s, the internet was her friend. In fact, if you trace back how the internet and music cross-pollinated, you'll find that MIA was one of the first musical artists to gain serious public attention via her online presence. Her songs have sold in the millions. Her music and her videos draw on political violence, identity politics, the plight of immigrants, poverty, sexual and gender stereotypes, and the concept of revolution. She's won a number of awards, and she became the first person of South Asian descent to be nominated for both an Academy Award and a Grammy. But that's only part of her story. She's also a fashion icon, working with Marc Jacobs, Versace, and others. There's her activism, in which she's offered support for Sri Lankan Tamils like her, as well as Palestinians and other people of color. MIA is also found on social networks, highlighting various types of human rights abuse. And this has made her very unpopular with some groups, leading to death threats. But she perseveres. MIA has a lot to say about police violence, genocide, and various governments who engage in those sorts of things. Her philanthropy extends to building schools in places like Liberia. She's also supported various forms of pediatric cancer research. Again, not all her positions are popular with everyone. There are factions within the Sri Lankan government and military that had a dim view of her. And she's not a big fan of mainstream media. The same mainstream media that named her as one of the planet's most influential persons in 2009. And it's interesting that she's also been made a member of the British Empire. That happened in 2019. 
there are a few more women who have changed the game in music and beyond in this century. Few people are in charge of their careers as much as Taylor Swift. She directs everything she does, from the music she makes to all kinds of behind-the-scenes business dealings. Anyone who follows her knows about Taylor's fight over the ownership of her master recordings. There's Adele, perhaps the last person to be able to sell physical albums in the tens of millions. Time magazine named her one of the world's most influential people three times. And like MIA, she is a member of the British Empire. Adele is immensely rich, but also donates money to a variety of organizations, including those who help people with learning disabilities. She's also fond of Music Cares, an American organization that helps musicians in need. And Adele has this image of being real. After the Grenfell fire disaster in London, she showed up at a local fire station with some cake for the firefighters, just as a way of saying thanks. And then there's Lizzo, a successful singer and rapper who has probably done more for body positivity than anyone else in the last couple of decades. And we can't not mention Beyonce, who is probably the most powerful woman in music today. Now let's talk about Haley Williams, the front person for Paramore, the band from Tennessee who has sold millions of records around the world. She became an icon on her own with a line of cosmetics designed with MAC, there's a TV series that goes with that, a hair dye company, a line of tea, and even some scented candles. Some of the profits from this business are donated to an organization that helps women who have survived abuse, addiction, and trafficking. Haley has also been open with her struggles with mental health, especially depression, something that caused her to leave Paramore for a short while. No wonder she's got so many fans. I've often described Florence Welch of Florence and the Machine as someone who looks like they've stepped out of a Renaissance painting. Maybe it's because her mother is a professor of Renaissance studies at King's College London. Her family tree also contains actors and directors, advertising executives, newspaper editors, and writers. While Florence has captivated people around the planet with her fairy-like attitude and fashion, there are other parts of Florence's story that have attracted attention. For example, she is very open about her dyslexia. She also has something called dyspraxia, a developmental coordination disorder. She's also been upfront with her problems with alcohol, anxiety, and depression. And that's encouraged so many other people to come forward with similar problems. And Florence is quite political. There's almost never a concert where she doesn't wave the rainbow flag as a way of showing her support for the LGBT community. She's been involved in many pro-choice movements. And she'd much rather have fans donate money to women's rights organizations than buy her concert merch. And she's been very vocal in her support of Ukraine and the Russian invasion. One more thing. Florence has her own book club. It's called Between Two Books, which allows her to promote her passion for reading and literature. That explains her book called Useless Magic, which is a collection of lyrics, poems, and illustrations. Lana Del Rey has been polarizing as an artist ever since we first started hearing about her in 2005, mostly because of her musical style, which is somehow reminiscent of Hollywood from the 50s and 60s. In fact, her music has been described as Hollywood sadcore. Okay, sure, why not? 
She's shifted between so many different styles, from pop and rock to dream pop and psych and even trip hop and trap. If you close your eyes, you can hear the ghost of Nina Simone, Frank Sinatra, Billie Holiday, and any number of torch singers. Fans also take cues from her social views. After a rocky relationship with the concept of feminism, she has voiced support for third-wave feminism. She's fiercely anti-Trump. She's taken time to work at homeless shelters and help build homes for the Navajo Nation. In 2019, she released a single called Looking for America, which raised money for the victims of mass shootings in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio. And there was at least $350,000 that she donated from her book, Violent Bent Backwards Over the Grass, to an organization that provides clean water to Indian reservations in the U.S. Southwest. Plus, she's also aligned with Liverpool of the Premier League and their charities. Even with all that, Lana is subject to all sorts of criticism, mostly over the themes and imagery in her music. At the same time, though, her influence has been immense. Could there have been a Billie Eilish or a Lord or a Halsey without Lana Del Rey? I'd say no. There's a natural segue from Lana Del Rey to Lord. Every once in a while, a young artist suddenly appears who sucks up a ton of attention because they're so different. And this is exactly what we saw with Lord. In 2013, she released a debut album at the age of 16. And it was striking because pure heroin sounds so much more mature, far more introspective, and much more adept than you would normally expect from someone so young. But those who were paying attention before this had already been on board with an EP entitled The Love Club, which began life on SoundCloud. It included a song called Royals. It has since sold more than 10 million units worldwide, making it one of the very few songs of the last 20 years to be certified diamond in the United States. It was the number one single in several countries, and it won a couple of Grammy Awards. Phrases like pop prodigy and voice of a generation started being thrown around. Let me give you a few more. Spokesman for a female rock resurgence, the new queen of alternative. And you know that you've made it when South Park has a whole backstory about her actually being a male geologist from Colorado working with Autotune. So, hugely popular, major inspiration, big influence. And with that comes a sense of social responsibility. Lord has helped out victims of a typhoon in the Philippines. She's contributed funds to an organization that raises awareness of a fatal neurodegenerative disorder called Batten disease. She's raised money for the Free Tibet Movement, and she's made other contributions to various health causes, especially at home in New Zealand. And it all started with this, a song that has impacted certain sounds and approaches in the world of alt-rock ever since it came out. In the same cohort as Lord is Billie Eilish. She went from releasing her first song in 2015, at the age of 14, to being chosen to perform a James Bond theme when she was 19. So that should tell you everything. She became the youngest person to sweep the big awards at the Grammys. Best New Artist, Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Album of the Year. She's won seven Grammys in total, as of now. 
Plus, there were two American Music Awards, three Brit Awards, a ton of MTV Awards from around the world, and a Golden Globe. Only 25 more people have sold more digital songs than her. And again, all this happened before the age of 21. Billie's visual image has been influential too. She refuses to play the music industry game where women are supposed to dress sexy. The baggy clothes are a calculated response to people judging women's bodies. She's been very outspoken about body shaming. And this has had an impact. Even Vogue put her on the cover, and she got Oscar de la Renta to stop using real fur. Animal rights are a big thing with her. She promotes vegetarianism all the time. Billy is also an environmental activist, getting involved in a social media campaign to protect the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. And she's very open about mental health issues, including depression, something that's dogged her for years. And she's open about her Tourette syndrome, urging other sufferers to talk about it and reduce the stigma. Again, this has been Billy's life, all before the age of 21. I'm that bad type, make your mama sad type, make your girlfriend mad type, might seduce your dad type. I'm the bad guy. Duh. That's a long list of female musicians who've been shaking up things this century. But before we're done, I want to acknowledge some of the women behind the scenes who are changing the system from within. Back at the beginning, I mentioned how women make up less than 3% of all record producers and engineers. One of that number is Susan Rogers, who was Prince's staff engineer during his biggest years. Around the World in a Day, Parade, Sign of the Times, and The Black Album. She's now an academic with a doctorate in music cognition and psychoacoustics. Gabby Skolnick is an indispensable part of the Foo Fighters management team. She works with John Silva Management and oversees the careers of not just the Foo's, but Queens of the Stone Age, Beck, Beastie Boys, St. Vincent, and others. She's one of the toughest in the business. Ty Stiklorius is John Legend's manager. Her management company is female-backed, and she's also part of a variety of initiatives involving education and criminal justice reform. Jessica Powell used to work at Google. She's now running a company called AudioShake, which works in music-related artificial intelligence. Still with tech is Cindy Charles. She's in charge of music licensing and label relations at Twitch, the gaming platform. You hear music while you're playing on Twitch? Could be Cindy. And she's also the co-founder of an organization called Women in Digital Music. Felicia Fant is the head of music industry partnerships at Amazon Music. This gig came after working at Columbia Records with a long list of rappers and a stint at Warner Brothers, where she oversaw projects by Prince, Drake, and many others. Alexander Pitsavis is one of the great music supervisors for film and television. She's been responsible for the Twilight series, Grey's Anatomy, The Hunger Games, Mad Men, Gossip Girl, and many others. She's now head of music at Netflix. All the viral hits that come from Stranger Things had to go through her. And then there's Rachel Levy. She's the executive director of film music for Universal Pictures. Very powerful. Michelle Ann works with visuals, creating video projects for Billie Eilish, Selena Gomez, and Lana Del Rey. All the videos she's been involved with collectively rack up a billion monthly views on YouTube on a regular basis. Lucky is a recording artist who happens to be blind. She's dedicated her career to bring disability culture to the wider world. Disability pride, she calls it. Among the many organizations she works with is the Grammy Advocacy Committee. Portia Sabin is the president of the very cool indie label Kill Rock Stars. She's also the president of the Music Business Association in the U.S. 
And Annie Lee is the chief financial officer of Interscope Geffen A&M. She mentors young music industry executives and works in areas of diversity and inclusion within the industry. That's just a small sample. There's still a long way to go when it comes to gender equity in music, but these women are driven to make a difference today and for the future. This has been Episode 5 of Driven by Her, a special podcast series from the ongoing history of new music, presented by our friends at Porsche Canada. If you've missed any of the previous installments, head over to your favorite podcast platform and download them all. You'll get more stories of trailblazers and hitmakers, the dynamic women who live by their own rules and change the face of modern music around the world along the way. Technical production is by Rob Johnston. Thanks for listening. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts.